Let's open our Bibles. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll read from verse 12. This is our portion of scripture that we read every week. And this is exactly what we're doing. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12. And we continue to chapter 6 till verse 3. It says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age or mature, and those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hallelujah. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hand, of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So if you look at this portion of scripture, chapter 5, verse 12 calls us the principles of the doctrine of Christ. If you, if you have King James, it's written the principles of the doctrine of Christ. But if you look at the original Greek meaning, you, and if you understand the Greek words, and if you apply that here, it actually says the elementary or the letters of the alphabet of God's word. Or to simplify it even further, it is the ABCDs of God's word. And here Paul says you're supposed to be teachers of these things. He's not simply talking to uh, the pastors or teachers or evangelists or or people in the full-time ministry is talking to the whole church. He said every single person who has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior should be involved in learning and teaching these things. That's, that's a requirement from God. Hallelujah. And chapter 6 verse 1 says the principles of the doctrine of Christ, which actually in the Greek it means the original teachings of Christ. So if someone asks you what did Jesus teach when he was on the earth? Is exactly what we are learning here. In some Bibles you may see seven. Originally there are seven, but in some translations you will see six of them listed there. They are repentance from dead works, as you see chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And over, over the past weeks we have seen that this is actually showing the life cycle of a believer. The first step of a sinner towards God is repentance. And then he receives the faith of God. And then he receives the baptisms. Then he's, as he's taught the word of God, he grows in positions. Hands are laid on him and given positions of authority. Finally, one day we leave the body. Then there is resurrection and then finally eternal judgment. So just like we study in school the life cycle of a butterfly, the metamorphosis like starting from the egg, the pupae, then uh, the, what do you say, egg, larva, then pupae, and then the adult butterfly. Same way, these are the seven stages in the life of a believer. And our God is a God who knows the end from the beginning and he wants his children also to know the end from the beginning. And one thing that we've seen is over the last many years of teaching these things, I've understood that the more you get involved in learning and teaching these things, you are not moved by things that happen in your life. Hallelujah. 
Because anytime a person is born into the world, born again, the moment you're born again, you're born as a spiritual baby. In the spirit, you're exactly like Jesus, but your understanding of spiritual things is like a baby. And just like babies, whatever they get, they just put it directly in the mouth. Same way, spiritual babies, whatever they get, they put it in their head. And that's the way they open themselves to wrong teachings, wrong traditions. They get stuck in a, in a rut. And finally, it, it, they, 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 they're like, what is happening? All the wrong teachings and all the wrong stuff in their life that is actually not bearing any fruit. They don't see results. They say, what's the difference between me and an unbeliever? So, here it says, Paul is saying, everybody should be learning and teaching these things. So, the more you learn these things, you grow spiritually. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we see children are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the cunning and slay of men. So, the, so if you, you see many spiritual babies, people who are born again for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but they have no clue about what the word says. So what they do is they primarily run from one meeting to the other, always calling up somebody to pray for them, always crying and, and bawling and complaining. They, Why is this happening to me? Meanwhile, in the spirit, you're exactly like Christ. Jesus said, whatever I did, you can do also. And even greater things. He wouldn't have said it if it wasn't possible for us to do it. He said it because it is possible. Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things that pertain to life and godliness is given to you. That means whatever you need to rule and reign in this life like a king, it is already given to you. But the same verse says, it comes through the knowledge of him. So, and it continues, the next verse says, For this we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. So the way you establish the victory in your Christian life, in everything in your life, is by getting knowledge of the word of God. Learning these things. What we are learning here is actually the ABCDs of God's word. And to teach ABCDs, you don't need a PhD. My children, when, when the second one was four years old, she was teaching the younger one who was three years old ABCDs. What qualified her to teach ABCD? The fact that she knows ABCD. So it's a simple thing. What, you're learning, what we are learning here, these six or seven doctrines that we are studying here are simply the milk of God's word or the ABCDs of God's word. And the more you get involved in learning and teaching these things, your ability and your cap capacity to receive from God and understand the things of God increases and multiplies. So, over the last many weeks, we've been learning these things. We covered repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, and we've covered uh, laying on of hands. And currently, we are in the topic of resurrection from the dead. And all the teachings are available. Audio is available by podcast. You can just search for conform to his image in any podcast app, conform to his image, and you, you, you will see all the teachings available. You can subscribe to it, and it's all available free of cost. And um, let's just do a recap. Resurrection from the dead. We understood that scripture says it is appointed for man once to die and after that judgment. Hallelujah. We saw that we are a three-part being. The real person who we are is a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. The spirit is the part of you that is created exactly in the image of God. When Adam sinned, his spirit died. His spirit died. 
was separated from the life of God. Because if you look in Genesis, it is written, God told them, the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. Hallelujah. But any, com any, any normal person who continues to read the Bible sees that he lived for another 900 years. So was God lying? No. To understand that, you look at the original text, it says the word die is used two times. It was not you shall surely die. It is you will die and die again. So the first death that came to Adam was spiritual death. Where his spirit that was created in the exact image of God, which came from God, was separated from the life of God. When life is cut off, there is death. All right. Death is not the opposite of life. Death is simply the absence of life. The absence of life. Now what is left? His soul and body. Where did the body come from? The body came from the earth. Hallelujah. What is the soul for? The soul has two main uh, functions. Number one, control the body. Your body whatever your body does is, comes, is controlled by your mind. The soul contains your mind, your will, your emotions, your intelligence. So all these things comprise your soul and that is used to control your body. And with your soul, you communicate to people. I'm talking to you. You're listening to me. You're analyzing what I'm saying. You're thinking, oh, all right, these things are new. Should I listen? All right. Uh, uh, what is he actually trying to say? You're thinking all these thoughts are coming. That's in your soul realm. It's communication. What I'm saying, you're, you're, you're analyzing it. And if it agrees with you, you show it on your face with your emotions. Your face lightens up. Otherwise, you, you, you look at me in a, in a weird manner. So I can see these things. It's a communication. All right. And then your spirit is, was originally created to communicate to God. Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And he seeks for them who worship him in spirit and in truth. So the original God's plan was man communicate to him spirit to spirit. When Adam sinned, his spirit was separated from the life of God. His spirit died. What was left is the body and the soul. So, now for man to communicate to God, he needs to see something. Because it's only the soul. Soul, your five senses. You see, you feel, you touch. And then you have to feel something. If it doesn't feel right, you're like, oh, I don't feel good. It's all about feeling. You're seeing this. So that's the soul. And your body which came off the earth, the moment Adam sinned, God came and he said, Cursed is the earth for your sake. Cursed is the ground. Whatever came off the ground came under the curse. That's why our body ages. Our body decomposes. That's why we grow old. Scientists are still not able to figure out why we are growing old. Because technically our cells regenerate. They keep regenerating. But you cannot stop aging. Why? Because the degeneration started when Adam sinned. The degeneration started there. That's why sickness tries to creep in. That's why you, you age and you don't like the fact that your eyes sag. The skin starts hanging loose and your hair changes color. We don't like those things. It's the degeneration that came, the decay that started because of Adam's disobedience. Hallelujah. When Jesus came, he restored life back to us. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit 
is born again. A brand new spirit is put inside you. That's why scripture says, uh, you are a new creation. All who are in Christ is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Your old things are passed away. Behold, everything is new. It's a new person on the inside who is created in the exact image of God. That's your spirit. And now that you're born again, the plan of God for you is you communicate to God spirit to spirit. Alright. So there's a whole lot of teaching on that. It's available online. And uh, so I wanted to focus on our topic here, resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. So the first death that came to man is spiritual death. And the second death is physical death, where your spirit is separated from your body. When your spirit is separated from your body, your body is dead. That's why when a person dies, the moment, Bible says in J James 2.26, it says, the body without the spirit is dead. So when, when a person dies, you look at the body, you don't call that body by name, you say, let's move the body, put the body bury the body. You don't put the name to that person because the name belonged to the spirit man, the real you. Your body is just a house for your spirit. Alright, the moment you die, your spirit is out. What is left is a body and that body is going to be buried or burnt. It is going to stay on the earth. So that's the second physical death. And if you die not receiving Jesus, then you are separated from God for eternity. That is eternal death. So the three types of death that came to man because of Adam's sin. First death, spiritual, spiritual death. Every person born from Adam is dead spiritually. Because in Genesis 1, we, say, we saw it says, God created man in his image. In Genesis chapter 5, it says, Adam had a son in Adam's image. In the fallen nature, in the fallen image. That's why children have that nature in them. You don't have to teach them to lie. You don't have to teach them to disobey. They are born with that nature. They inherited that from Adam with the fallen nature. So the first death is spiritual death. Second, physical. Third, eternal death. That is, if you are, uh, if you are not born again and if you die physically, you don't hang around anywhere. You are separated from God for eternity. That's eternal death. The moment you leave the body, if you are not saved, you are in hell. If you are saved, if you are born again, the moment you leave this body, you are in heaven, in the presence of God. Your spirit is in heaven, your body is on the earth. Hallelujah. Did you get that? This is, we've covered it in detail. So I want you to understand these things. Bible says, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's chapter 2, he said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment you say absent, sir, here, you say present, sir, there, in heaven, before Jesus. If you are not born again, the moment you are absent here, you say present, sir, in hell. Alright, you don't hang around here. There is no 40-day deal. Alright, that's just tradition and stuff like that. So, so that's the death. And we saw what happened to Jesus. Jesus came from God. He was not born of a man. He was born of a virgin. There was no man's sperm involved. Because every person born from Adam is Adam's seed. Born from the sperm of a man which carries the 
flesh nature, which carries the fallen nature. Jesus was born of a virgin. There was no man's sperm involved. Hallelujah. So, and he lived a life without sin. Hallelujah. So his spirit was constantly connected to God. All the time he lived on the earth, he was doing the miracles. His spirit was still connected to God. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin on the cross. So when Jesus was hung on the cross, there he became sin. He became our sin. Hallelujah. Bible says the wages of sin is death. So the moment he became sin on the cross, death entered. The first death, that is spiritual death. His spirit was separated from God. Because only if his spirit was separated from God, only then he could go to hell and pay the pay payment for our sin. All of us, by nature, we are supposed to go to hell. Because we are, we are born like that. With Adam's fallen nature. That's why we need to be born again. So, till Jesus died and rose again, nobody on the earth was born again. Everybody in the Old Testament, all the big names you read in the Old Testament, they were not born again. They are different from the born again person. They are different. So you cannot compare a person in the Old Testament with a person in the New Testament. No, they are two different classes of beings. They are two different classes of beings. So Jesus lived with his spirit connected to God, with to the life of God. On the cross, when he became sin, his spirit was separated from God. That's when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Till that moment, he called God his father. God was his father. His, he came from the father. He kept saying in John, the book of John, you will see his, his, his 16, 15, 14. He says, I came from my father and I'm returning to my father. He always called God his father. But on the cross when he became sin, God became the judge who judges sin. That's when he said, my God, my God. God is not God his father now. God is God the judge who is judging sin. And Bible says the wages of sin is death. So because Jesus became sin, his spirit was separated from God. And then later he died physically. When he died physically, where did his spirit go? To hell. We were supposed to go there and he went there for us. And he paid the price there. Yes, there are worms that cannot die. There, are, there is a fire that cannot be quenched. He went to hell. He suffered there, paid the price for our sin. But because he, he did not commit any sin of his own, he did not commit any sin by himself, death could not hold him. He went there for us as our substitute in replacement for us. Went there, paid the price for our sin. On the third day, the whole God said, it is done. The Holy Spirit came down, raised him back to life. His spirit was first connected back to God. And then that spirit was brought back into his body. He was raised up physically from the dead. And then... He ascended and sat at the right hand of God the Father. So if you look at it, we saw the previous weeks, that the same way the death came into man, it came upon Jesus. 
The first death was spiritual death. Second, physical. Third, eternal death. So in the same way it came upon man through Adam, it came upon Jesus. The first death that came upon Jesus was spiritual death. The second was physical death. And third, when he went to hell, he suffered eternal death. But he did not go there for his own sins. So death could not hold him anymore. So when he rose back, the first death he had victory over was spiritual death, where his spirit was joined back to God. And then, he, and then that spirit was brought back into his body. His body, he got victory over physical death. And then he ascended and sat at the right hand of God the Father, victory over eternal death. Hallelujah. So Jesus won the victory. That's why scripture says, Oh death, where is your sting? So as believers, we, we can live to our fullest. We can say like Paul said, I ran my race. I finished my course. I am now ready to offer myself. So death is not something we have to fear about. It is actually a promotion for us. Where you know, hey, I've done my deal. I've finished my work here. So now it's time for me to be with my father. You say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Finish. You leave your body and go. There are so many believers who've done like that. They were just, they did the work of God. They served God. They served their generation. And then when the time came, they said, it's time for me to go. They called their children, grandchildren, bless them, pray for them, give them their inheritances and say bye-bye, lie down and they're off. That is the glorious death that every believer is supposed to enjoy. That is what God planned for each one of us. Not being cut off suddenly in an accident or come, some disease come upon us. No, we live to our full. Psalms 91 says, with long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. So sickness, disease, accidents, sufferings comes from the devil. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I have come that you will have life and have it more abundantly. So who's a thief? The devil. Hallelujah. So as believers, as a person who received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, we can live a victorious life in every area. Hallelujah. So we understood that part about res resurrection, how Jesus won victory over death. The, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of Christian belief. Because if Jesus did not rise again from the dead, then that means we are still stuck in our sin. We will still go to hell. The, the very fact that Jesus rose again from the dead shows that we have victory over sin. We have victory over death. Hallelujah. I believe you understood that. This is just a recap. And then the last week we saw what happened to Jesus when he rose again. We understood that he had a special kind of body. A body in John chapter 20 and 21 as you read. A body, special body that the disciples did not recognize immediately. A body that can pass through walls even though the doors were locked. Hallelujah, John 20, you read that, verse 8, I think, and uh, 12 or 16, you read that. And then in 21, you see Jesus eating food with them. He ate fish and had curd so, and honey. So, gee, it's a special kind of body that can travel at the speed of light, that can pass through walls, you can eat food. You are not eating food just to stay alive, you're just eating food just for the enjoyment. And it's not something like a hollow thing where you see the foot going down. No, that's not the kind of body. No, it is a real body. It's a glorious body. 
We see on the cross, all his blood was shed. Finally, when they pierced his side, there was no more blood in that body. The blood was poured out for us, for our sin. Hallelujah. So this body that he res was resurrected is a body without the blood and a different kind of flesh. Because we saw last week, scripture says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This regular body cannot inherit the kingdom of God because this body is still under the curse. So when there is a resurrection happening, it's going to be a different kind of body. We saw in 2 Thessalonians, let's look at that scripture again. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. It says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or talking about those people who died, believers who died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Look at that. Verse 15, Paul is saying, What I am telling you is the word of the Lord, what the Lord himself told me. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, wow, this is... This, I love this part, it says, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. This is amazing. This is amazing. Why? Because this is talking about what is going to happen. This is talking about what is going to happen. If you look at, um, let me get that scripture here. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49, 49 to 54 we'll read. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49 onwards. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Do you see that? Flesh and blood, this body of flesh and blood, it cannot go to heaven. This is, it says, corruption cannot inherit in, in corruption. This is a corruptible body. This is a mortal body. Alright, this is of the earth. This body cannot go to heaven. And verse 51 says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Look at that. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, the, Im the mortal must put on immortality. 
Hallelujah. I'll read one more scripture. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, go with me to Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see that for yourself. Oops. It's the last scripture there, Philippians chapter 3. Chapter 3, oops, where is it? Yeah. We'll uh, read 20 and 21. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from where we also look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, We shall change our vile body. Look at that. I want you to see it for yourself. It says, We shall change, oh, sorry, who shall change, talking about Jesus, He will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Hallelujah. You see that? It says he is going to change your body. Now let me explain what this means. Alright? Just a compressed version. One day, Jesus is going to come in the cloud. This is not his second coming. Alright? This is called the rapture of the church. Alright, there are so many scriptures in the Bible which refers to this. It's like John chapter 14 verse 3 where he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, by our gathering together unto him. All these things refer to the same event which is called the rapture of the church where Jesus, he will not come to the earth. He will come in the clouds with the spirits of all the believers who died. See, as a believer, if you die, where does your spirit go? To heaven. Your spirit is in heaven with Jesus. Where's your body? On the earth. So one day, which can happen, this is like any time right now. We are probably the last generation where this can happen. All the other Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. Alright? And if you read the, the, the tense in which Paul and Peter and all the apostles wrote these things in the Bible, they lived... Every day expecting this to happen. This is 2000 years ago. They live like it can happen today. It can happen anytime right now. So we are actually more than 2000 years closer to the event. So all the biblical prophecies that relate to this event happening is already done. So we are probably in the last generation where this event can happen. What is the event? Jesus is going to come in the clouds. There will be the, a, a, a loud shout, voice of an archangel. There will be a trumpet sound. And then you will see Jesus coming in the clouds with the spirits of all the dead believers. And at that time, their bodies which are on the earth will be raised up. Into a glorious body. The same body that Jesus had. The same kind of body. Those bodies will be raised up and will be joined to their spirits. That's why 1 Thessalonians says, So shall we ever be with the Lord after that. The spirits that came with Jesus will be joined to their glorious resurrected bodies. At the same time, there are believers on the earth, Christians who are alive. Them, their bodies will be changed Instantly. That's what Bible says. In an instant, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That means faster than you can even blink. Your body, if you're alive at that time, your body will be changed into this superhero body. 
your body is going to be changed and this body will be caught up with them in heaven you will be raised up with them the dead shall rise first and then you who are alive will be changed and bible says so shall you ever be with the lord it's a glorious day it can happen anytime right now there have been so many prophecies that have come that it could we are probably the last generation it can happen that's why we need to preach the gospel that's why we need to go and tell people about Jesus. That's why we need to get people saved. That's why you see a lot more persecution right now than it was about 20 or 30 years ago. There's a lot more persecution. So we have to preach this gospel. We have to get this message to people. We have to get people saved. We have to bring them into the kingdom. As many as you can. That's why tomorrow, Saturday, is our outreach Sunday, a Saturday and we are going out. I encourage all of you, if you can, just go out, share the gospel. This is going to happen to you and you can't afford to leave people around. You can't afford to let them be manhandled by the devil. You need to share the gospel. Get, pray for the people. Share the gospel. Get them into the kingdom. Hallelujah. So today we're going to... So this was just introduction. Alright. So we're going to look at this particular event and the last day events that are there in the Bible. Hallelujah. I've given you a, a, a document. You could look at that. Hallelujah. So if you look at that, let me get that picture up here myself. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Yep. Right now, if you see on the leftmost side where you see the cross, it's called the church age. That's where we are right now. That's the place where we are right now. And one of these days, the rapture is going to happen. Hallelujah. So I want you to go with me to um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1 onwards. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1 onwards. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto Him. Let me stop there. You see the word coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto Him. That is the rapture of the church. The coming of our Lord where He comes in the cloud. Hallelujah. And we'll be gathered to Him. Look at that. That you should not be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter. Now he is giving an instruction. Don't be afraid of those days. You will hear a lot of people saying a lot of stuff. Alright. There are so many teachings out there that talks about uh, the triple six, the number, the antichrist. Don't have to be worried about all those things. He said, don't be worried. Paul is telling the church, don't be worried. You should not be shaken in your mind. That's in your thoughts. Oh, what's going to happen? Is Aadhaar card, uh, the uh, triple six number, or is it what is happening? They'll put all the numbers here. Uh, what are they going to do? Paul said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He said, don't be troubled neither by spirit nor by word or by a letter from us. He's saying, we, don't worry that we are going to write a letter to you scaring you. Don't be afraid about it. 
He said, as that day of Christ is at hand. Now, this day of Christ is talking about uh, the second coming of Jesus, where he will come on the earth and establish the kingdom. These are two separate events. The first coming of, where it refers to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, talking about him coming in the clouds. That's the rapture of the church. And then the second one where it talks about the day of Christ, it is actually talking about when Christ comes on the earth and establishes his kingdom. Rules for a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. These are two separate events. They're separated by seven years. All right, And that's what you see on this picture. You will see the, the, there's a line in the middle and on the left you will see three and a half years and the right three and a half years. All right, uh, I'm just going to concisely go through what is going to happen. There are scripture references there. We don't have time to go through this in detail. Oh, hallelujah. But if anyone would like to go through this in details, I can give you materials that you can listen to and watch. Hallelujah. We are, we are following the te teachings of a very, very famous word-based scholar called Reverend Hilton Sutton. He's a man of God. He's gone to be with the Lord. But he studied this in detail and he's the one who, who taught this correctly. Scripture based where it doesn't put fear in the heart of people. And it is true. It is true. So that's what we are, we are following here right now. Alright. Now it says, verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Uh, look at that. It says, it says, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition look at that so don't be afraid that day is not going to come till there is a falling away if you look at the greek meaning it means till something is taken away till something is taken away and then the antichrist is revealed it's called the son of perdition says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself to be God. Look at that. It says, let no man dece deceive you. It said the Antichrist is going to be revealed, but it is not going to happen as you think it is. It is not going to happen as you see on all the videos and all the things that is going on in WhatsApp. No, that's not how it's going to happen. Alright, it says, um, let me look at that. It says, I'm sorry, I missed the scripture here. Yeah, but for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Alright, verse 6 says, and you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. Look at that. It says there is a time he will be revealed in his time. And there is something that is withholding him, that is holding him back from being revealed. When that thing is taken away, then the Antichrist will be revealed. Look at that. It said the Antichrist will be revealed at his time. Alright? You don't have to worry if it is Obama or the Pope or whoever it is. You don't have to worry about that. He said, he will be revealed at his time, but there is something holding him, holding him back. That thing has to be taken away. Only then he will be revealed. What is that? My brother, my sister, that's the church. That's the church. You and me. 
as long as you and me we are here on the earth we are the ones who is holding the antichrist from being revealed he is not going to be revealed as long as we the church is on the earth when jesus comes takes the church away when the rapture happens only then the antichrist will be revealed bible says we are withholding him so as a believer you do not by any means have to fear about the antichrist he will not show up if you're a believer and if you're on the earth right now if you are if you're serious for christ and if you are here on the earth right now you can rest assured that as long as i'm here i don't have to worry about the antichrist he is not going to be revealed till the church is taken away because as long as the church is here he cannot be revealed he is being held back he is being held back now look at that you see point number 1 you see the rapture happening the day jesus is coming in the clouds and all the uh, dead are raised up and we who are alive we are taken we are changed and we are gathered with him in the clouds and then we are with him forever we move with him to heaven we stay there and our judgment happens then the judgment for believers is happening then don't worry about the word judgment we will cover it in the next topic in detail all right don't be scared about that word after we are taken up then our judgment happens it's called uh, uh it's called the judgment seat of christ that's for by for believers after you are taken up now when we are taken up something starts on the earth the moment we are taken up the antichrist is revealed the antichrist is revealed now we will go to the book of revelation the moment antichrist is revealed that is when the seven year tribulation period starts seven years of tribulation it is divided into two halves first half and second half the middle part is called mid tribulation so the first three and a half years and the next three and a half years this is talked about in detail in the book of daniel talks about 70 week the 70th week each week represents uh, sorry each day represents a year each day of the week represents a year and the 70th week is this seven year tribulation seven days seven years of tribulation hallelujah it's going to come but it's not going to come as long as we the believers are here on the earth we are the ones holding the antichrist back whatever the antichrist comes out with with the triple six number with everything let him do whatever he wants it's not going to happen as long as we are on the earth we don't have to be afraid about it no matter what the people keep sending so many christians spend lot of money buying trash stupid books with stupid teachings that put fear in them bible says god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind yes technology is progressing things are happening but these are these have to happen these have to happen but the dangerous part will happen after we go so we don't have to worry about it let technology come up the more technology develops it shows that hey it's getting closer jesus is coming soon i'll be soon with him so we don't have to worry about it instead rejoice about it that jesus is coming soon we are going to be taken up 
So don't worry about all those things that people send about the, the barcodes on your hand, on your forehead. We'll, we'll look at that. So don't worry about that. That puts fear inside you. You don't have to, well, you don't have to encourage fear. You don't have a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Bible says, perfect love casts away fear. If you look at the Bible, all the time, any tragedy comes, the righteous have been removed. When the flood came, Noah was the only person who was righteous. Bible says, and God found only one righteous man, that was Noah. So Noah and his family were delivered before the flood came. Sodom and Gomorrah, before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, what happened? Lot and his family were delivered. So anything bad before it happens, the righteous are always delivered. <coughs> Alright? You need to understand this. And he is not talking about the Holy Spirit also. As long as the, whole, the Holy Spirit is here, because after we go, there are still people on the earth. People are going to get saved after we go also. During the seven years, people are still going to get saved. We're going to look at that today. Alright? So, one thing you need to understand, we, the church, we are holding back the Antichrist. As long as we are here on the earth, the Antichrist will not be revealed. He will be revealed when we are taken away. Now let's look at Roman, sorry, Revelations chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. You need to understand this is a revelation that John the Apostle got. And before I go there, you need to understand the book of Revelation is a very good book. But most people don't read that book. They're just scared. I don't understand. It's just beyond my understanding. So you don't read. But let me tell you, if you read Revelation, just look, just read that. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. I want you to see that. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what does this book give you? A revelation of Jesus Christ. Those who read this book, you're actually getting a revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of the Anointed One and His love. And verse 3 says, Blessed is he that reads, they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. Do you know that this is the only book in the Bible that has the audacity to tell the people reading it, if you read this, you are blessed. If you read this, the only book in the Bible that has the audacity to tell the reader, hey, if you read this, you're blessed. But what happens? People don't read it. The devil doesn't want people to read this and to know the glorious future that awaits us. And the, the greatest tragedy that awaits him. He doesn't want people to know that. So what does he do? He brings in all kinds of confusion. So people just avoid this book. But the only book that tells you, if you read this, you get blessed. If you ask me, do I understand everything in this book? Absolutely not. I'm still studying. I'm still studying. But I do, even though I don't understand, I read it. And I say, Lord, you said, if I read this, I'm blessed. So I expect the blessing to show up. I'm just reading it. So I keep reading it. Why? Because it says, if I read it, I'll be blessed. And as much as I know, I try to obey what is written, what I understand. So don't 
isolate this book. Read this book. Even though you don't understand, read. God will shine the light. You will understand this. So, Revelation chapter 4. This is one of the most favorite chapter in the Bible for me. A chapter that reveals how heaven looks like. Alright. Here it says, verse 1 and 2. It says, And after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was of a trumpet talking with me. Come up hither, I will show you things which must be hereafter. So everything from this point onwards is talking about what is going to happen. Alright. And then verse 2 says, And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven. One sat on the throne. So from verse 2, he's in heaven and he's describing what is, how heaven is, how the throne room of God is and what is going to happen. So the next is the vision that John is seeing. Hallelujah. So if you look at this, if you, uh, if you look at the picture that I gave you, the beginning of the seven year period, hallelujah, the beginning of the seven year period, the rapture of the church is happening and then the believers, our spirit are in heaven. Alright? The spirit, our spirits, all the believers, their spirits, they are in heaven. Chapter 6 calls them a huge multitude. We're going to look at that right now. Sorry. Chapter 6 calls them a huge multitude of people. Now, here, the Antichrist is revealed. And he begins that time with the seven years. He begins it by having an agreement with Israel. He is a very prominent leader. We don't know where he's coming from. Most likely he could be from Europe. All right. There are some characteristics about him revealed in the Bible. We don't have time to go into that right now. But he is going to be a prominent figure, an influential person. And he is going to arrange a, a, a peace treaty. He starts it with a peace treaty with Israel. He said, for seven years there is going to be peace. There's not, there, there won't be any war with Israel. Everything is going to be fine. That's how he starts the seven years. Alright. It's written in Re uh, Revelation chapter 6. But then let's go to chapter 5. Revelation 5 verse 6 says. This is after the rapture of the church. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So if you start reading Revelation chapter 5 from the beginning, you will see that all the saints are standing there, all the believers. Their spirits are there and then there is a scroll with seven seals on it and then they're asking who is worthy to open this book open the scroll there are seven seals on it who is worthy to open not one person standing there is worthy but then jesus comes he takes the scroll and then he opens the first seal when the first seal is open all right says he uh, if you continue he says um before, before, look, let me just recap. Let me just recap. Chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seal, for you are slain and have redeemed us 
to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and the people and the nation. Did you read that? It says, look at that. I want you to observe one thing there. Who is saying this? Who is saying this? said, for you were slain, you redeemed us. Who are they? The believers. You redeemed us by your blood out of every tongue and tribe and people and nation. So this clearly says that all the believers, the church is there with him in heaven. Believers in the presence of God when Jesus opens the seal. And the Antichrist is going to be revealed. Let's continue. Um, chapter 6 verse 1 says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, behold, a white horse. He that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Look at that. Now the first seal is opened. Alright. And then you immediately you see a rider on a white horse. Many people say that is Jesus. Absolutely not. Just because he's on a white horse, it doesn't mean he's Jesus. Look at the verse again. It says, he is on a white horse and he had a weapon. What is that? A bow. But you see that there are no arrows mentioned there. A bow without the arrow is completely useless. Completely useless. The moment you see somebody holding a bow, you look for the arrow. Where's the arrow? You don't see the arrow. That means that weapon is useless. So what does it mean? Deception. Nowhere in the Bible you will see Jesus using a bow as a weapon. Everywhere you will see him using the sword as a weapon. Revelation chapter 2, chapter 1, chapter 19, it talks about the double-edged sword. That is the weapon. Ephesians chapter 6 says, the word of God is a sword, likened to a sword. Hallelujah. So, the, when you see this, this is not talking about Jesus. He has got a weapon that is a bow without the arrow. That means it is something that is used to scare people. It cannot hurt you, but it will put fear inside you. So it basically refers to somebody who is released to deceive people. Alright? And then it says, a crown was given unto him. He did not have a crown. A crown was given to him. If you go through the book of Revelation, Jesus already has so many crowns. He had so many crowns. Let me read out some of the names. It's he, he had... Um, let me see, where is it written? Yeah, crowns of inheritance, crowns by conquest, crowns of merits. These are the crowns Jesus already has. This guy doesn't have any crown. So a crown is given to him. That means a temporary assignment. Temporary authority. Okay, sorry. And then it says, And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now only after he got that position, he is going out to conquer. Bible says he, Jesus already conquered. This is definitely not Jesus. So who is this? This is actually talking about the Antichrist being revealed. He is, a, he is Satan's man being revealed. That is the Antichrist. Hallelujah. Let's, if you continue reading there, chapter 6, verse 8 says, And I looked 
Behold the pale horse, his name that sat on him was death and hell followed him. And power was given to him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger. Look at that. Again, it's talking about the Antichrist. Now, there are many teachings there that says the Antichrist will rule the earth. No, absolutely no. Bible says he has authority over a fourth part of the earth. You see that. Verse 8 says, power is given to him over a fourth part. That is mostly Europe and the Middle East. Countries like India, US, it doesn't come under him. But because he has power there, he establishes power there, it affects the rest of the world. Like today, any decision made in, in, in the US affects the rest of the world. How the, the value of the US dollar affects every other currency in the world. Same way, when this guy comes to power, he has control over only a fourth part of the world. Not the entire world. So you need to understand, we are rightly dividing the word of truth. There are many people who come out with wrong teachings just to put fear. So don't yield to those teachings. So this guy has control only over a fourth of the earth. Alright. And then, here you see in verse 2, his main power is deception. His main power is deception. By deception, he controls people. And he gets power only over a fourth of the earth. Mainly by deception. His main tactics of controlling is by fear and deception. Hallelujah. Jesus already defeated the devil. As a believer, we need to understand. We don't have to worry about the Antichrist. We are supposed to walk in the victory that Jesus gave us. He said, for this cause the Son of Man was revealed to, de to destroy the works of the devil. He came, he destroyed. So we don't have to walk in those destruction. What the devil brings. Jesus destroyed him. So we walk in the victory that Jesus gave. Hallelujah. No more fear. No more fear. Our time is seriously up. But I, want to, I wanted to finish this today, but let me just finish this part. So you see, the Antichrist, he doesn't have any crown of his own. He's given a crown for a temporary season. He is Satan's main man. He is the man and he is revealed only after the church is taken away. The church is raptured. Hallelujah. So don't be afraid of all the false teachings that are out there. All right. He will be revealed after the church is taken and his main power is deception. All right. Now, if you look as you come here, you see point B listed in the picture. Point B, you see one, then point two, there's A and B. All right. A refers to the opening of this, uh, the release of the Antichrist. That's what we saw. Now, the B is the destruction of Russia. All right. What's going to happen? When, once the Antichrist is revealed, all right, then probably in a year, Russia and her allies are going to attack Israel coming from the north. You see this, about, uh, this being talked about in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. All right? It is written there. Russia and her allies are going to come and attack Israel from the north. They're going to come and attack Israel. 
That's when the second, this is when the second seal is opened. Let's read that. Verse 3 and 4, Revelation 6. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Alright. See that's red. Referring to war and referring to communism. Alright. Power was given to him that sat there to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. So it says there was given to him a sword, that that represents a man of war. This is representing war that is happening. So what's going to happen is, Russia and her allies are going to come and attack Israel. They're coming from the north. By the uh, Bible refers to them as Gog and Magog in the, in the Old Testament. The prophecies in uh, the book of Ezekiel. And then, you, as you see, in Ch Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 19, talks about the wrath of God being revealed. So when they come to attack Israel, they are completely destroyed by the wrath of God. The complete army in Less than 24 hours, the complete army is destroyed by the wrath of God, supernaturally. We don't know how. This war is actually called, uh, sorry, this, this, uh, this is not the, uh, called uh, the Battle of Armageddon. I'm sorry, I was trying to say it was the uh, Battle of Armageddon, but this is not the Battle of Armageddon. This war is a very important thing that's going to happen where Russia is going to attack Israel and then the wrath of God is revealed all their army will be decimated decimated, killed destroyed by a supernatural intervention of God we don't know how but it's going to happen alright and then what's, what's going to happen is all the Jewish men all the Israeli men from all over the place, they are going to come to Israel, to the north of Israel, to fight against Russia, when Russia attacks. But when they come, they are going to see God intervene and destroy all of them. Then all these men are going to come to Jerusalem and they are going to rejoice there. They are going to enjoy, rejoice, give thanks to God. Because even right now, any celebration that happens, that happens in Jerusalem, see the Wailing Wall, where the Temple Mount is. So all of these people are going to come there after this one day war where Russia and her allies are destroyed. They are going to come there. They'll be, they'll be rejoicing. And at that moment, as it is written in Revelation chapter 7 and chapter 14, an angel of the Lord is going to come down and he will select 12,000 men from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He, they will select 12,000 men and specifically unmarried virgins. Men who have not had sexual relationship with women at all. Unmarried men, 12,000 men from each of the 12 tribes. So if you put them all together, there's 144,000 men are selected by an angel. And he's going to write something on their forehead. If you read Revelation chapter 14... Um, let's read that. Where is this? Yep, verse 4 says, okay, verse 3, 
And they sung as it were a new song before the throne, before the four beasts of the elders. No man could learn that song but the 144,000 that were redeemed from the earth. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They are redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. In their mouth was found no guile, and they are without fault before the throne. Hallelujah. So it's talking about these 12,000 men from every tribe being selected, and there's a purpose for them. Their ministry is going to start now. They are selected so that they can preach the gospel to all of Israel, to all the Jews. The Jews are the people of God. The Bible says salvation is of the Jews. He came first to his own people, people with the covenant. They rejected him. They rejected him. Then he came to the Gentiles. That's us. We received him. But he still has a plan for them. He still wants all of Israel to be saved. That's why Paul prayed in, Rev in Romans chapter 10. My desire for Israel is that they should be saved. In, Re in Romans chapter 23, if you see, um, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 verse 25 and 26. He says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should in any wise be your own conceit. The blindness is part, in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. Look at that. It says, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That means till all the believers from among the Gentiles, they are coming up. The church is raised up. Then the plan for Israel is being revealed through these 144,000 people. 144,000 Jews. They are selected from the 12 tribes of Israel. An angel of the, of the Lord is coming, selecting them and giving them a job. And their job is to preach the gospel to the Jews. And Bible says, all the Jews will be saved except a small remnant. Bible says, a small remnant will be left. So this 144,000 Jews, they will go and start preaching the gospel to the Jews. And then through these Jews who are getting saved, the book of, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing, Zechariah says, through every single Jewish person, it says, through every single Jewish person, 10 Gentile men get saved. So imagine, 1 million Jewish people are there. Men, alright. For these 144,000, they go get all the Jewish men saved. Except a small group of people. God has a specific plan for them. Through them, through each of these Jewish people, 10 other Gentiles are getting saved. So, if you do a rough calculation, by mid-tribulation, at least 1 billion people are being saved in, within the first three and a half years. 1 billion people are getting saved through the ministry of this 144,000 Jews. Amazing. See, God still has a plan of redemption. The church is taken, but then now he's working the second part. He's using these 144,000 Jews and getting all those people saved. Uh, I don't know if I should continue because our time is seriously up. It's 8.45. Um, I think I'll stop because it, there's a lot to say. But I believe I've got your interest. You understand? 
Fear is not for us. We as believers, we don't have to fear anything. We don't have a spirit of fear. We are the ones that are holding back the Antichrist. So as long as you are on the earth, the Antichrist will not be revealed. You don't have to worry about Antichrist. But why is God telling us all these things? Why are we studying these things? This is just so that we will know what's going to happen. Alright? I'm just going through this in detail. Actually, when I teach this in other places, I don't go in detail. I just teach the basic stuff because these are simple stuff that you should know and teach others. So here, I'm just taking my time to just explain this a little bit in detail so you will understand this and, you, you, and set your expectations. So you will not encourage fear. Because even in the last couple of months, I saw many people forwarding things on WhatsApp, in uh, Facebook, stuff that puts fear in people saying this is the mark of the beast be careful you should not take this you should not take in if you go to the northeast of india there are many groups of people who have not taken the aadhar card saying that is the mark of the beast i'm serious you can imagine the condition of the people how they are affected because of wrong teachings people don't take bank accounts saying bank accounts are the mark of the beast in india right now so, you need to understand why we are learning these things. Why God said you need to understand these things. So, they are ignorant. They are being affected and they are being tormented by fear because of these wrong teachings. So, I want to encourage you. Don't encourage fear. Don't let fear creep in. We are the body of Christ. Bible calls us, we are the body of Christ. Christ means the anointed one with the anointing. That means each one of us, if you have received Jesus as, the Lord, as your Lord and Savior, you are anointed to do the same things Jesus did. You may be a musician, you may be uh, uh, an, uh, an IT guy, you may be uh, uh, working in a, re a regular job anywhere, but each of you are supposed to be like Christ, wherever you are. You're anointed. And you have the capability to do the same things Jesus did and even greater things. If it was not so, Jesus wouldn't have said it in John 14, 12. He said, whatever I did, you will do even greater things. That was not specifically given to full-time ministry people. It was for everyone. And 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we are probably the last generation before Jesus comes and we have work to do. We have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know what has been given to us. We need to understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for each one of us. The same power, that's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 onwards it says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for those who believe. Why do you need this power? So you can go out and preach the gospel. So you can raise the dead. You can cleanse the leper. You can pray for the sick and the sick will, heal. sick will be healed. For every believer. Not just for pastors and evangelists and full-time ministers. No, every single believer. So we are equipped to be like Christ wherever we go. In our workplaces, in our neighborhood. Wherever we are. Hallelujah. I believe you understood this. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word gives us hope. Your word, hallelujah, thank you, thank you, thank you. It renews our mind. It cleanses our soul. It saves our soul. We do not have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Father, as we study these things, thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding. Thank you that we will not be the same anymore. Thank you that we will not be under the circumstances. We will rise above and over. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ, in every place. And through us spreads the savor of his knowledge. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everywhere. Victory. Always in every place. Thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.